I'm Danny Valentino, and welcome to Crypto on the Beat, a podcast that explores the relationship between music and cryptocurrency. Every episode, we break down the latest news in the space and are joined by some of the players on the cutting edge of these new trends that are helping to reshape our world. This is Crypto on the Beat. Coming up on this episode of Crypto on the Beat, all the headlines making waves in today's digital economy, plus my interview with Matt Medved, co-founder and CEO of NFT Now, the online platform breaking barriers in NFT coverage and curation. As we were getting into the NFT space, we were looking for credible resources to learn, to find guides and, and information and news and the like. It was like, where's like the billboard of the NFT space? Where's the complex of the NFT space? Uh, it didn't exist, so we set out to build it. We'll get into all that and more in the full conversation coming up in just a bit. But first, let's check some headlines. The Houston Texans have become the first NFL team to allow fans to buy single game suites using crypto. In partnership with BitWallet, the Texans will now accept Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum as forms of payment. This continues a trend that sees the NFL getting more involved in Web3 with several NFT projects in the works and many marquee players, including Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham Jr., taking part of their salary in Bitcoin and other digital assets. MTV has partnered with Roblox to enter the metaverse as they gear up for next weekend's Video Music Awards. Fans can play games, collect tokens, and vote for their favorite artists as part of the experience, which is a companion to a new category that MTV has added to the VMAs this year, Best Metaverse Performance. Charlie XCX, 21 Pilots, BTS, Ariana Grande, Blackpink, and Justin Bieber have been nominated for shows in Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, and other virtual worlds, and we'll see who wins in this inaugural category at the VMAs next Sunday. And the king of pop, Michael Jackson, is entering the metaverse as well. Japan's NFT Naruto Art Museum has signed an exclusive deal with the Jackson Family Foundation to create a new project that will include special NFTs and access to Michael's new metaverse, which is expected to launch sometime next year. Let's welcome today's special guest to the show. He's been a big part of the music media world for quite some time. Founded Billboard Dance back in 2015, also a former editor-in-chief at uh, Spin Magazine. And now over the past several years has made the uh, transition over to crypto and NFTs. Uh, he's co-founded NFT Now, which is a great platform to help navigate the uh, NFT landscape. Matt Medved has joined us. Welcome to Crypto on the Beat. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be back on SiriusXM. I have so many good memories of coming here, contributing interviews, guest mixes, all of the above. And so it's just great to be back. We're glad to have you. Um, and I love to have these conversations with like fellow music industry alums who have transitioned over to this uh, you know, exciting crypto and NFT world. Before we dive in, though, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background uh, into how you first learned about Web3 and yeah. maybe uh, who turned you on to it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually started dabbling in crypto back in 2013. Um, so even before Billboard Dance, I actually bought my first Bitcoin uh, during, during the 20, 2013 bull run, bought that at the exact top of that market, uh, watched it <laughs> crash like two weeks later. Uh, but I just held on to it because I, I believed in in the technology and and I and, I, and in the potential. I became very focused, obviously, have always been very focused on the music and, and media space. And so what's interesting is after founding Billboard Dance in 2015, um, 
um, you know, the uh, that bull run of 2016 to 2018 really coincided with some of the peak years that I was at Billboard Dance. And uh, just by virtue of being friends with all the DJs and the like, um, I found our, you know, I found myself like really talking crypto with a lot, a lot of guys like Blau, RAC, Miha, some others, you know, who were who were just being really active in that space at that time. And what was interesting was I was one of the few people at Billboard who a owned crypto or b understood it at all. Uh, and so I started doing coverage around music and blockchain. And um, I actually remember doing a story about DJs trading crypto, which uh, you know went in Billboard magazine. And I remember it kind of blowing up in like the Bitcoin community because it was the first time that Billboard, this venerated industry bible, had ever actually like acknowledged formally Bitcoin or crypto in sure. print. And that's when I realized there was a whole community around it. I did a bunch of panels with RAC uh, at South by Southwest uh, around music and blockchain. Um, I advised for Blau's music and blockchain festival project. We were always just kind of looking at like how does this technology empower artists? And what's amazing is NFTs really were the missing puzzle piece. Um, and so it was Blau, actually, who pulled me down the NFT rabbit hole in 2020. And for me, it all just clicked because I was like, this is the technology I've believed in for a very long time, mm -hmm. finally disrupting fields I'm actually passionate about, music and culture. Because at the end of the day, I'm not a finance guy. And doing so in a way that empowers artists because that was always the thing we were trying to unlock when we were looking at you know how blockchain and uh, it could could uh, help with music royalties and payments like always at the core it was about finding ways to empower artists and so all those light bulbs went off in my head around that time I was getting very active in the nft clubhouse space and so we founded nft now myself and my co-founders Alejandro and Sam in January 2021 to solve an issue that we actually faced which was as we were getting into the nft space we were looking for credible resources to learn, to uh, find guides and, and information and news and the like. But it was really the Wild West. You know, it was a lot of platforms with megaphones promoting their own drops and, you know, influencers on Twitter, like, you know, kind of shilling their own bags. And like, it was like, who, who, where's like the billboard of the NFT space? Where's the complex of the NFT space? Uh, it didn't exist. So we set out to build it. Um, and the mission with NFT now is to empower the creators of culture and to help bring NFTs from niche to mainstream. Um, so if you go check us out at nftnow.com or any of our social handles, nftnow, you'll see so much of our content is focused on education and bringing new people to the space and onboarding new people um, because the learning curves are real. There are no dumb questions in Web3. And uh, we're all so early that, you know, there's still a, a long way to go in terms of making this UX and, and usability easier so that people can get from interest to onboard much quicker. I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. I mean, one of the questions I get asked from a lot of people is, I'm intimidated, I'm overwhelmed. Like, where do I even go to start? And you touched on a lot in the first couple of minutes, but you mentioned some names of people who have been in this for a long time, like yourself, but also, of course, Blau and you know some of the other guests who have been on this show, Steve Aoki and, mm -hmm. and RAC. What you guys are doing, the educational side of it, I think is great for somebody who might be overwhelmed. And you guys are not doing these long-form explainer articles. You're taking over social media and you're doing these quick, uh, quick hit, like 30-second pieces. What is an NFT? Web3 explained in 30 seconds. Yeah. What is a smart contract? And these are like man on the street things. Like you'll go up to people and you'll be like, uh, you know, just to a random person on the street and the responses you get, you know, to somebody in the space can be a little funny, but it's also educational and it makes you realize, yes, we're still very early in the space. What's the response been from, uh, you know, this kind of social media takeover you guys have done with the purpose of education? 
It's a really good question. The response has been amazing. Uh, I've had so many people come up to me and tell me that um, NFT now is how they got into NFTs, which is just means we're fulfilling our mission. Because one thing that's really important to us was that we never just wanted to be preaching to the choir of people that were already down the rabbit hole. We always wanted to be bringing in the masses. And that meant also meeting the masses where they are. And that is Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, etc. That's why we launched our podcast. That's why we do so much of the social content. And we do actually have some longer form um, like guides and explainers on the website. But we also recognize that this is an attention economy. And the way to, to capture people is to give things in digestible bits, help people ground it and understand it in the terms of their own experience, and not overload people with technical jargon. I think that's something that that's really intimidating about the NFT and crypto space is that there's just like a whole like language to it that if you're not privy to can feel quite intimidating. And I always tell people like I did the crypto learning curve in 2013, back when there were fewer guardrails and like, you know, there was truly the Wild West. Like you couldn't trust any of the platforms you were on or anything. But I still had to do the NFT learning curve in 2020. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are doing both at once. And that's not easy. And so that's one of the biggest things with with NFT now is understanding that like we make no assumptions about like the level of of the people, you know, of expertise of the people who are accessing our content. And, you know, we have all sorts of different offerings. We have offerings that are more for the people who are down the rabbit hole, the the so-called like purists in the space who are just like in it day in, day out, day day in, day out. But it's very important to us that we do not alienate or leave behind the people who we kind of refer to as the the tourists in the space who are a little bit more, you know, they're dabbling, they're curious, they're, they're trying to learn. We just want to make sure that they are getting the right info, that they are, um, you know, not falling victim to any of the bad actors or scammers that exist in the space sure. and and helping them also understand what this means in terms of their own experience, because NFTs are still such a nascent technology. And right now, people understand NFTs as a category. You know, they're like, oh, these are all NFTs. They lump them all under one thing. What we're really going to see is NFTs are a medium that are going to impact and disrupt every single category. Right now, we've seen that in digital art. We've seen that in digital collectibles. We're seeing that now in music, which is really exciting, photography, et cetera. But we're still just scratching the surface. And so part of our mission, too, and part of like one of the things that's really important for us is to help people understand that there's more to NFTs than bored apes and speculative assets. And, you know, th- you know there, there, there's real potential to create an incredibly valuable direct connection between creators and their communities. And we really do believe that this technology is going to help redefine how creators and their communities create and share value together across every discipline. It's fascinating to hear you say these things because we have artists come on and they're talking about their own drops and things, but you know, you're know you an objective observer to all this and, and you see the, the use case. What I want to do is take a, a step back for just a second. There's obviously a lot of positive energy, but there's also a little bit of a backlash that seems to be developing right now around the term NFT, right? Mm-hmm. We actually have brands like Sony and Reddit that recently uh, launched actual NFTs, but didn't want to use the term. Uh, The game Minecraft actually recently said, no more NFTs in the game, no more blockchain. I mean, just thoughts on these developments and, and why do you think we're seeing this? Well, look, I think that any time that you have a new and transformative technology, people fear what they don't understand every single time. There was resistance to the internet. There was resistance to television, you know, from the radio, you know, and like, and it's, and there's, but we always see like never bet against technology. And oftentimes what we see is those fears are often unfounded. And I also think that the technical side of it can make it sort of an easy target. Um, You know, I think we're going to reach a point eventually where the NFT technology really exists in the background, where we're not talking about the tech, but we're talking about the actual 
product or the consumer-based offering. You know, we we talk about music. We don't necessarily talk, unless we're, you know, DJs and nerds like ourselves, like we don't necessarily talk about MP3s and waves and all those. Like your your average consumer does not, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, they know what those things are, but the, but it's more about, you know, it's more about the actual products they're using versus the underlying tech, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we'll reach that place. It's also funny because in some ways I see some parallels between like the backlash against the term EDM with NFTs. It became like a, a convenient sort of like punching bag in a way for, for things about that space, perhaps, or about that the sound that was big at that time. You could maybe say the projects that are big at this time with NFTs um, that, that people, you know, had some had some issues with. Because it is a really new technology and NFTs are sort of the term through which it was introduced to many in this world, I, I think for better or for worse, it's going to have some staying power, similar to how EDM has had staying power, despite a lot of people's efforts to kill it, you know? Sure. And, um, and you know what? To, to me, I also think that, again, because people fear what they don't understand, um, a lot of people have their, their, their first reaction is a knee-jerk resistance. And what's interesting is when I started to see the backlash and the resistance and the confusion and the negative media coverage of NFTs from the creative space and the music space and all that and, and, and beyond, I felt like I was seeing the same movie I saw in 2013 with backlash to Bitcoin from the financial space. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have seen this movie before. Well, that's been fascinating to watch because you look at the head of any big bank, you look at their initial statements about Bitcoin and they all, it was, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's never going to last. It's it's nothing. And now, fast forward a few years, they're all offering it to their clients. Why? Because their clients insisted upon it. That's right. Except for Warren Buffett, who's still out there saying some things about Bitcoin, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll give him, he's had a great, yeah, 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 uh, you yeah. know, a great career. He's allowed to miss a couple times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to add, I think that it may have to do with the framing too of NFTs, right? So we had the initial boom early last year. Blau did the drop in a week, eleven million in a weekend. Yeah. Beeple the sale, like sixty nine million dollars. People saw dollar signs, That's and right. they saw NFTs maybe as as a get rich quick scheme, and they didn't understand that there was so much more to it. Don Diablo was on the show recently. He's very big uh, into the space, as you know. Uh, I asked him as he speaks at a lot of panels around the country. I said, "What's the most common question that people are asking you when it comes to NFTs?" He said. How do I make money? And that's probably not the best question that you should be asking here. There's so much more, as you were saying earlier, to NFTs than just board apes or JPEGs on a screen. We need to do some, I think, re-educating on uh, the possibilities here, right? I completely agree. And that's one of the things that we're like we're really, really focused on at NFT now is helping people get beyond that surface level. And let me be for the first to say, if someone wants to enter NFTs because they want to try and make money, that's on that that's that's their decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. That makes me happy if, if they're able to meaningfully change their lives through the space like that. And of course, always, always never financial advice, but never invest more than you can afford to lose. Like that's the cardinal rule, right? Because these are very volatile assets. But that all said, we understand that the the allure of making money through speculative investment and, and gain may be what bring people to NFTs originally, but what will actually keep them here and what will actually contribute to this ecosystem flourishing and growing in a sustainable way is helping people understand how much more there is to the technology and helping people understand that an NFT sale is a beginning, not an end. It's an opportunity to create this incredible direct relationship with your fans and be able to reach them directly without having to go through the ads and algorithms of centralized web two platforms. So with us, we're just we're very pragmatic and understanding the fact that like this is this is so new. It's a new creative, you know, it's a new creative asset class. It's 
in price discovery, there's all this volatility. I understand how media works. Obviously, I've worked in it for a long time, and I understand that the headlines about $69 million Beeple sales and the like are, are, are going to get more clicks and attention than the more unsung stories that happen daily of digital artists quitting their day jobs to focus on art, You know, artists finally being able to build a collector base and, and make a living off their creative vision instead of client work, on you know musicians finding a more sustainable means of income uh, than currently exists with the streaming services. These These are not necessarily as sexy headlines, but they are no less important. In fact, I think they're often more important in terms of their macro impact. And that's something that we're trying to help people understand because... When I first got into NFTs, I didn't even fully understand the full range of possibilities with them. But, you know, I think one of the one of the greatest things is that in my eyes, NFTs make good on the original promise of the Internet, which was the idea of like Kevin Kelly's 1000 True Fans, which if you've read is a treatise that, that Kevin Kevin wrote, basically saying that to be a successful creative in, in you know space, whether this is art, whether it's music, whatever it is, you actually don't need millions of fans, technically, like in theory, you don't. You, you know, you don't need millions. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to be Drake. I'm not saying you're going to be Justin Bieber. But you technically really only need about a thousand true fans who are going to pick up what you put down, buy the ticket, take the ride, buy the merch, show up to the show, etc. to support you to have a sustainable career, put food on the table, you know, have a, have a standard of living, all that. Um, the issue and the reason why 1000 true fans doesn't exist currently and one reason why there is no middle class in music currently, it's all, you know, people really successful at the top or, or people struggling to, to break through is because uh, in Web2, centralized platforms have put their ads and their algorithms and everything in the way to prevent you from reaching your fans. We have to pay uh, Instagram to reach, you know, to reach even a fraction of of our organic following right. these days. Um, we are providing our content for free in a likes and comments based economy, and they're making all the money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to change. And what's amazing is I, I always say, like, if you're if you're an, a musician who has a dedicated fan base, whether you're a death metal band in Oklahoma, Oklahoma or a DJ in Sweden or, or whatever, wherever you are, if you put out a music NFT, you know, let's say you put that out for a hundred dollars, which is pretty cheap, you know, relative, like reasonably, reasonably priced for, for an NFT, for NFT, if you have a thousand true fans, that's a hundred thousand dollars of revenue. And that's a lot more than most of my, uh, my friends who are not huge stars have ever seen from the streaming services. You know, you touched on this a little bit, seeing as you come from the music background, I want to delve into it a little bit more. The ways that this technology is disrupting music from metaverse concerts to, you know, platforms like Blau's Royal, where yeah. uh, you as fans can kind of play along with the success of your favorite artist's uh, song or album. This is all new in the past couple of years, and the numbers of people that are getting involved in this are huge. But again, you remember that we're still very early. But thoughts on what we've seen yeah. in terms of the disruption and also like you know how big of a part of the future of music can things like this become? Great question. Great question. And and what I always say to help people understand, like my dad is is a, he's a brain doctor, but he's actually a huge music fan. And he, he is actually well the biggest Beatles fan I've ever met. And so I grew up, he actually collects like rare Beatles memorabilia. So I grew up understanding the idea of collectability around music. So right. things clicked for me really easily. When I'm trying to explain what a music NFT in many cases is for, for people, it's like a cross between a signed vinyl from your favorite artist and also like a backstage access pass, you know, for the foreseeable future, at least like I do think artists are going to continue to release music on streaming services for public consumption. Just like anybody can go listen to Abbey Road, but not everybody has a copy of Abbey Road that's signed by all four B 
Beatles. That's quite valuable. That's real. That's of real value to a super fan. It, like music NFT is kind of is is like aimed at that super fan and providing and and I think the ones that are going to have, especially in the music space, going to have the most success are the ones that provide real utility aimed at that fandom. So, for example, if you own uh, that you know your favorite artist music NFT, um, being able to attend their shows and either get backstage or or you know VIP areas, free merch and exclusive merch, access to like to to drops before anyone else, um, all of these things that like we kind of think about with the fan club side, except now you can immutably prove um, that that you have this and you can show how long you've had it, you know what when you when you got it. There's no like you know the bragging rights of like I was on this already artist early. You could show that. But one thing I thought was really cool, too, you know, something Blau told me was he was like, Matt, he's like, let me give you an example. Um, he's like, I know I have fans in Mexico City. Spotify tells me I get this many thousand streams every every uh, every month. But if I have a show in Mexico City, I can't reach them. I can't send them a message or an invite to my show. Spotify has that data. They're not sharing it with me. He's like, but I could do a snapshot of people who hold my music NFTs and I could see immediately all the wallets that hold my music NFT and I could send them what's called an airdrop, which is like a free token, which could be uh, another NFT. It could be a, a token that, that's more fungible, like, you know, like a, like a cryptocurrency to like. Um, and I can send that to them directly and I don't have to worry about Instagram or Facebook or any of, the, any of these other algorithms getting in the way. And, you know, I could send them an NFT that's essentially an invite to, to that tour, to those shows. And that's good to get them backstage or, or to get them, you know, free merch or whatever it is. And that's super powerful. That is incredibly powerful. And what the thing that we're seeing now, it's happening a lot right now in the digital art space. And also, you know, these these digital collectible projects that have utility like Board Ape Yacht Club, which, for example, you know, attendees were able to go to ApeFest during NFT NYC and see, you know, huge artists like Snoop Dogg and Eminem and the like like that. They were able to go to these for free because they could prove that they had the ape. The ape was also their ticket to this. And so it's just very interesting as we think about um, the idea around utility around music. What you also mentioned um, with Royal is super interesting. Um, the idea of being able to invest in your in the artists that you love and actually share in the upside of their career trajectory. Game changing. Game changing. You know, I always think, you know, my, my thing at Billboard, what I was always known for at Billboard Dance, was calling artists early. And I love supporting artists from the beginning. So, you know, I gave Kygo his first Billboard feature uh, back in 2014 when he'd never played outside Norway. And, you know, was early with guys like Marshmallow and Chainsmokers and Alice in Wonderland and Black Coffee and the like. And I always think about, like, if I could have bought one of their NFTs back then, you know, obviously it, it like th that's just like, you know, it would well, certainly it'd be worth a lot more now. But it also, you know, it's that whole idea of like of being able to as a fan be like, I have this provable, you know, digital asset that shows, you know, just how early I was and how long I've been on the on the train and how, you know, how much of a fan I am and and how much of a supporter I am. And the idea of being able to, you know, do that for an artist when they're small and then see them blow up and actually be able to share in that value being created. Right. That is a that's a key concept across the board when it comes to NFTs and Web three is the idea of being able to actually share in the value that that's being created the the idea of being a true owner and a shareholder in in the projects and the artists and the brands that you love and that you believe in rather than just being a renter on the internet which is what we are in Web two right it's exciting um, you know the the use cases are seemingly unlimited and. Uh 
the exciting thing to, to me about all this is like the questions I'm asking you today, six months from now, the answers could be totally different because the, the entire space is, is seemingly just like innovating right before our very eyes. There's so much happening in music and I wish we had more time, but I want to touch on one other article that you guys had on your site. Uh, it talks about NFT tickets mm. being the future of live music. I have a thousand tickets stuff sitting around from all the festivals and shows I went to as a kid and their prized possessions. You can't do that anymore because you just show your phone and you get in, but now you're getting a collectible NFT that's on the blockchain, shows that you went to the show and it's brings you closer to the fan. I mean, this is something that really could be a, a big disruptor uh, when it comes to uh, how we go to shows, right? Absolutely. And there's a lot to unpack in that article. But I think some of the key things, too, to think about is like, A, being able to do like fraud protection, like protecting consumers against like Absolutely. scam tickets and, and scalpers that don't have the, the the best interests at heart and and all that, being able to like provably verify that, that this is a real ticket. And then the, the, the super exciting thing is just like you said, being able to show that you were there. One of the things that we often see in the NFT space is that like Web3 rewards those who show up. There's a thing in the NFT space called a POAP, proof of attendance protocol. It's essentially like a free NFT that just shows I was there. That's something that we could decide to reward people who are there. So it's the idea of like a ticket actually living on in its value and utility beyond just that one show. And that's that's really cool. The possibilities are endless. Please find NFT now. Uh, it's online. Find the, the Instagram app. They're on TikTok, very active as well. But Matt Medved, uh, a lot to say. Great conversation. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. That was my conversation with Matt Medved, music industry alum and now a leading voice in the crypto universe. And you can just hear the enthusiasm in his voice when talking about the future of these new technologies and how they are disrupting the world as we know it. And if you're looking for a good resource to educate yourself about crypto, NFTs, and all things Web3, I encourage you to take a look at his site, nftnow.com, and better yet, to follow them on social media. Special thanks to everyone who makes crypto on the beat possible. Sarah Bentley, Roger Coletti, Bill Crandall, Jen Derwin, Emily Doherty, Mike Spinella, and Chris Watherspoon. I'm your host, Danny Valentino. Crypto on the Beat is a Sirius XM production. Sirius XM Podcasts.